Amen. All right, on your chairs this morning is one of these, RL, all right? Every week we put these out and just remind you they are there for you to invite people to Real Life Church. Amen? Very simple. You can stick it in your pocket. And on the back is the times of the services. And it doesn't have my cell number. Isn't that good? <laughs> in case, now just in case that you're not, you don't have that great of a testimony. Can I hear an amen? Oh, yeah, real life. All right. So I'm just kidding. Anyway, so take those with you. Put it in your pocket. Invite those people. Just say, hey, man, here it is. I want you to come to Real Life Church next Sunday with me. Be my guest. And then I will take you out for lunch. Not me. You'll take your friends out. Amen. All right. Well, it's good to have you here this morning. Um, of course, we all know what's going on right now in Florida. So uh, uh, we are going to pray for uh, Florida, Florida, Floridians and um, the, the things that are going on right now there. And uh, Brother Mike uh, has a son in uh, St. Pete's and him and Debbie have a son there and they are safe right now. They're in a um, government building. What kind of building is that? Okay, so uh, concrete. They're up on the third floor, and they're talking that's uh, about five feet above sea level. So they're going to get a lot of water there. And so we're going to ask Mike if he would just to stand and ask God to really bless his son and all the other people in Florida, if you would, please. Lord, as we come to you this morning. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mike. Uh, we just got done last week with our series entitled Home. How many enjoyed that series? Did you enjoy that? Amen. I really enjoyed preaching it. And um, we are on a new series today, just a, a couple, three messages on hindrances. All right, hindrance. And um, But pray for me, I'm studying Esther. And we're going to go through Esther in about three to four weeks, depending on how long the Lord leads us on this uh, message on hindrance. So get your notes out. As we go over this, uh, all of us have hindrances in our lives, all right? We have, or we've had bosses that hinder us from getting a raise. We've had uh, employers that say, ah, the promotion's not yours. They hinder us from that specific um, goal in our life. Also, sometimes you, you try to go to bed at night and there might be a dog barking to keep you awake. That's a hindrance from your sleeping uh, or somebody starts the lawnmower Saturday morning at 7 o'clock. Has that ever happened to anybody? I mean, just, just a hindrance of your sleep. And, and of course, we, we think sometimes relationships hinder us from happiness. And we blame other people for those things. And so we're, we're going to get into this thing called hindrance. Um, when I first became a Christ follower years ago, I didn't really grasp the scope of God's presence. You know, first got, when I first got saved, I remember thinking that God came down and revealed himself to me back when I was 14 years old, and then I was searching for him, and then when I was 18, I got saved, and, and he revealed himself to me, and then he kind of went back up to heaven and worked on somebody else's life and, and didn't really understand the total scope of his presence. Anybody remember thinking that when you first were saved? You know, I think a lot of us had different perspectives. And it wasn't until I got to Bible college that Dr. Glenn Evelyn, Pastor Evelyn, he was one of my best friends, uh, in, in uh, one of the classes that I had, he, he turned me on to a truth or enlightened me with this big idea. 
That's up here on the screen. God is always at work. Fill that in your blank. God is always at work. Now think about that. God never stops working. He never sleeps. He's constantly doing good things. The Bible says this in James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, and there's no shadow of turning with Him. In other words, every time something good happens, God is involved. Isn't that good? Every time something happens that's great and perfect, God's involved. All right? Now think about that. How many people does God do good things for? How often is God doing great? things and good things in your life so so in the idea here that god is always at work man it's just he never sleeps he never takes the day off now today i wanted to take the day off anybody else like that the car show yesterday well the problem with me i did squats yesterday right our, our friday it was crazy and then i went and walked all day at this car show uh pre- by the way junior said thank you i mean there's many of you guys there so he just, give yourself a hand for the car show yesterday, all right? Raised a lot of money for Gearhead. We praise the Lord for that. Uh, and he said, he said, preacher, I'm not going to be there today. I'm going to be resting. I want to take the day off with him. But God never takes the day off. He's always working. Now, I want you to go to John chapter, what is it, 5, verse 17. John chapter, it's going to be open on screen here. Jesus says this. Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. Now, let's... Take the content of that, the text. Jesus walks into the temple at the pool of Bethesda, and there's this lame guy laying there. And Jesus asks him, do you want to be healed? And the guy says, I have no one to take me into the waters when the waters is stirred so that I can be healed. So Jesus says, arise and walk. So the guy gets up, and he is, I mean, basically, he is healed from that very moment. And he gets, gets excited, and of course the religious people see this, and they're very angry with Jesus. The religious people. Now grab a hold of that. The, the religious crowd that are supposed to love God and serve God, they are angry at Jesus because he healed, listen, on the Sabbath day. They were upset. So this is from that. This is the response that Jesus gave. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. Sabbath day isn't a day to take off. God, my Father, is always working, and so am I. So grab that in your mind. God is always working. It's the big picture. He's always engaged in the affairs of man. So don't take it for a moment as these hurricanes are coming that this is an accident. God is always. Now, I'm not preaching on the hurricane or anything like that. that not, God is not angry and just coming down. I mean, I'm not preaching on any of that stuff. I'm just simply saying God is engaged in the affairs of man. That's what I'm going to get across this morning. God's involved. The next big idea is this. Not only is God involved and doing all these great things, every good and perfect gift comes down from us. But he's over here at the side, and he's saying, okay, guys, listen. And this is the next thought. Look at the screen. God literally invites us to partner with him. Now, write that down. God is doing all these great things, and as he's doing all these big things, he looks over to Tim Fleener, this little bitty old guy who's literally nothing, and he says, Tim, I want you to come over and get involved with me in doing what I'm doing. Now, that's just not me. That's you, and that's you, and that's you. He's inviting you 
to come over and partner with him to do all of these good things. You can almost see where I'm getting ready to go to, right? Okay, he's inviting us. Come on. Now think about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse like 9. The Bible says this, that we are co-labors. It's not on your screen. It is, we are co-labors together with God. We are workers together with God. Okay, look at this verse. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. We're going to put it up on the screen. Now, we're going to look at a lot of verses just to kind of explain where we're going at with this hindrance message. Now, I love to preach on positive stuff. Can I hear an amen? amen. <laughs> but today, you know, it's positive. Not positive. Not. Everybody okay with that? Okay. Here's a positive. For we are his workmanship. Notice that word. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God had prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice the word workmanship. Now, we, thought, we talked about this a long time ago. We are God's clay, and he's the potter. And he's developing us. He's molding us. We are the canvas, and he's the painter. Okay? We are his workmanship, listen, which he's displaying, follow, he's displaying to the world that they could see how powerful and how glorious our God is by what he's doing in us and changing us and transforming us into his image. You are the visual masterpiece of God. What do people see when they look at you? Do they see the hand of God, the transforming power of Almighty God? It's good stuff. Okay? I like to put it this way. We are his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. Keep on going. Created in Christ Jesus. Look at the word for. Look what it says there. We are created, we are created in Christ Jesus for. What's the purpose that he created us for? Did I say that? No. The scripture says that, doesn't it? The purpose you were created for, here it goes, for good works. Now let's put this in the, the picture. God's over here and he's engaged in all this great stuff and he's doing all this stuff. He says, come over here. I, I'm inviting you to join me. The reason I'm inviting you over here is because you were created to partner with me to do all of this great stuff. Okay, good stuff. Now, let's go to the next verse. All right. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 14, gives us a little bit different perspective. Again, context. Let our people, Christians, learn to devote themselves to the chiefs. <laughs> Doesn't say that. To your favorite football team, the Colts. All right? Or better, New England. <laughs> I knew, I knew I'd, I'd get some amens over here. There's like five patriot knuckleheads in our church. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's cool. Oh, that's just good stuff. All right? Never dreamed I'd even be a friend with one, let alone a pastor of one. Amen? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right? Okay. Look what it says. Devote. 
devote themselves to good works. You you don't devote yourself to your job. You don't devote yourself to your your 401k. You're you're giving yourselves to what? Good works. Now notice this. So as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. I love that word unfruitful. God longs for us, listen very carefully, to be fruitful. Grab a hold of that. He wants you to be successful in what he created you to do. He wants you to be prosperous in what he created you to do. These good works that you're to partner with him and you're to do, God wants us to be producing, to be fruitful in our lives. Okay? Great, great stuff. Now, let me give you another big eye that I don't have on the screen, I don't have on your notes, but you need to write them in your notes. Okay? There are things God wants to do in us and through us, okay? There are things that God wants to do in us. Of course, we pretty well understand that. God wants to mold us. He wants to develop us. He wants to create character of his son in us, all right? He wants us to be like him, okay? He, he's creating little Jesuses. He, he's creating junior high Jesuses. That's what he's trying, he's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to, he's, he's creating a, a molding high school Jesuses, young married Jesus. I mean, think about this senior saint Jesus's. That's what he's doing. He's wanting to create in me character that conforms to Jesus himself. He's molding us, he's shaping us to become like his son. So God wants to do some things in me to help me to become this little Jesus to the world. He's not only doing things in us, but he wants to do things through us. Okay? God wants to use our lives as these little Jesus to help people to come to know his son. To help him, uh, help these people to come to know the father. To be saved. To, to, to become Christ followers. And then he wants them, the ones that become a Christ follower and they have this, this new life. He wants us to help them to, to grow in that relationship. To deepen that relationship. To help them understand that they're created here for good works. To help other people to come to the Lord. And then help those people to grow in the Lord. And then so on and so on and so on and so on. Okay? Here's the, here's the thought and the premise for the whole series. Okay? Look at this up here. We can be helpful, right? We can be helpful or we can be a hindrance. Now, think about the previous thought I just said. Okay. God wants to do stuff in me and God wants to do stuff through me. He wants to do things in me and he wants to do things through me. In those two things, we can be helpful or we can be a hindrance. <laughs> uh, let's just think about kids for a moment. Okay? You have these six little heathens. I mean, these six wonderful children, right? And as they're growing up, you're trying to get them to be 
you know, good kids, right? And as you're teaching them, as you're investing your life in them, your blood, sweat, and tears in these kids, some are very compliant and easy, right? And they, yeah, some, some are patting their kids on the head, some are, you know. Okay, some of them, seriously, they can be helpful in raising them because they're listening. And so they apply what you, I mean, they're, they're a fresh of breath, the fresh, uh, fresh air, right? Uh, it's just fantastic. Then you have these other ones, right? That can be a what? Hindrance to what you're trying to do. You're trying to develop character in them. And, and the, some are compliant, and man, they really grasp it, and they, they're obedient, and they listen, and they become full of character. And you've got these other ones that are just characters, <laughs> right? And every time you try to help them, they continually hinder you. Now, I'm not saying that stops because you've got to fight for your kids and you've got to work and praise God as you just don't give up and you keep it, then, then of course they, they turn out fine. All right? But you're talking about fighting you tooth and nail all the way. God wants to work in us to develop character and we can fight that just like a kid. We can we can fight God all the way as he's trying to mold us and to shape us to these little Jesuses. Okay? And we do. A lot of us do. And we're going to talk a little bit more what, what he does in response to that. Or, or we can just say, Lord, I'm going to make it easy on you. I'm going to surrender. And I'm going to listen to you. And it becomes easy for the Lord. Okay? There's, there's great transformation that takes place. All right? So that's kind of the premise, and we're going to talk about that in every message that comes up. We can either be helpful or we can be a hindrance. All right? I'm going to give you two illustrations this morning from Bible, not personal illustrations. Sometimes my kids say I get too many illustrations from them. And especially my wife says, I use her too often. How many think I use my wife too often? See, one person, one person. I'm going to tell her when she gets back. All right. Two, two illustrations this morning that we're going to look at to illustrate this point. We can either be what God's doing in us. We can, we can be helpful or a hindrance or what God's doing through us. We can be helpful or a hindrance. All right. First of all, we go to what God wants to do through us. Look what it says here. Now, Jesus is walking. I want, you to, I want you to grab a hold of the gall of Peter, all right? It says, from the time that Jesus began, no, from that time, Jesus began to teach his disciples and to show them that he's got to go to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, he's going to be crucified or basically tortured and put to death, and then the third day, he's going to rise again. So, so at this point in, in the text or in his life, he's already taught the disciples for three years. But the Lord says, I, I know they weren't listening because if you go back and he's taught, telling them over and over again that of what he's got to do. But they're not listening. So he decides, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really zero in and show them one more time of what's going to happen. What's going to happen? The cross. What's going to happen? The redemption of mankind. That's what Jesus is talking about here. The redemption. Something a little minor, right? The redemption of mankind. Okay. Notice what Peter does. And Peter took him, Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> now, now, let's think about this a moment. Let, 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 
Was this not Peter, the same one that was with the Lord, who walked on water? Isn't this the same Peter that saw Jesus walking on water? And Jesus said, or Peter said, can I come? And Jesus said, yeah, come. Peter jumped out of the boat and he stood on water. Is this not the same Peter? Yes. It's the same Peter. It's the same Peter when he was in the middle of a storm and the, the wind was raging and everything was coming down. They thought they were going to die. And Jesus steps into the boat and says, peace be still. And boom, there was a great calm. It wasn't that the wind stopped and the waves stopped and the thunder stopped. Everything was a great calm. This is the same Peter. Was this not Peter that was with Jesus when he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead, who was dead four days, come out. And Jesus says, unwrap him. Peter was there. Now Jesus is just saying, listen, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to pay the redemption of mankind. And Peter says, no, Lord, you're wrong. This is not going to happen. I mean, it's amazing. Saying, Far be it from you. Lord, this plan you have of the redemption of all mankind, no. Do you get it? Do you follow? No. Why was Jesus going to the cross? To pay our sin debt. To fulfill the Father's plan. Notice the next verse. He said, it shall never happen. Notice the next verse. Then Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, what did he say? Satan. I mean, who's the one that really wants to stop Jesus from going to the cross? Who's the one that doesn't want him to die to pay for the sin of the entire human race? Who's the one? Satan. The last thing he wants to do is Jesus to fulfill his mission. That's why in the garden, Jesus sweated great drops of blood because all hell was coming down on him to keep him from the cross. Great study, by the way. All right, so he said, so he was, he was thinking about, notice what it says, for you are setting your mind on, not on the things of God, but on the things of man. So his, his perspective was off. Now, here's what I want you to see. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Watch this. He said, you are a what? Hindrance to me. Again, What was Jesus saying he was going to do? He was going to die for the world to fulfill the Father's plan and save the world. Pay for the sin of the world. He was going to redeem mankind with his death. Peter, Jesus says, you are a hindrance. You are trying to hinder me. Now, let's look look at the definition. Do we have the definition of hindrance up there. Okay. This is the definition. The act of making it difficult for someone to act in order to get something accomplished or get something done. That nah, kind of wordy, right? Let me put it another way. Okay. Anyone that causes resistance to what you're trying to do. Peter, Jesus was trying to redeem mankind. And Jesus says, you're a hindrance to me. You're resisting me, not stopping me. You are resisting me. You're slowing me down in what God has called me to do. So it's possible that when God says, come over, come over here and 
partner with me in doing all these great things, you can actually be a hindrance rather than helpful in what God is trying to do. Now, I'm not going to say that you're a hindrance. I'm going to encourage you and say you're helpful. But each man and each woman needs to examine their lives and say, hey, uh, first of all, when people look at me, do they see the power and the transformation of God? Do they see that I am the handiwork of God? And, and, and am I partnering with the Lord and being helpful? Or am I not doing anything and there is a price? I mean, some people say, you know, there is an effect. There's a cost for doing nothing. When we say, when Jesus says we're co-laborers and says, come over and partner, you were created for this partnership. You were created to, what was the word we looked in Titus? To focus, to really zero in, to give yourself, to devote yourself to these good works. If you're not devoting yourself to these good works, it's possible you could be a hindrance to the cause of the Lord. Now again, I want to be positive. I don't want to be negative. So I'm, I'm just the voice this morning, okay? Just the voice. As we look at hindrance. Now, let's think about this next thought, okay? Put up there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Let's look at the second thought. Okay, so... God also, and most everybody in here are young in the Lord, okay? We, we, we already have accomplished that Sunday after Sunday. Look at verse 16. It says, now Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. And Paul says, you have the mind of Christ. Now, Peter had the wrong perspective, okay? His perspective was on Satan and on the world's perspective. He didn't have the mind of Christ, news for you and me is we have the mind of christ notice what this verse says for who has understood the mind of the lord as to instruct him but then he interrupts and he says but we have what's it say the mind of christ we have the mind of christ it's fantastic so paul was talking to the corinthian church we have the right perspective the 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 mind of christ now it's not up there but i want to read a couple of verses to you in first corinthians just to implode a little bit on this story i want to go back to verse 11 now listen very carefully you can even write verse 11 in your notes for who has for who knows the person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him so also no man can comprehend the thoughts of god except by the spirit of god no one can really have the mind of christ the right perspective of christ except by the Spirit of God lives inside of him. The Corinthians had that. Okay? He goes on verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. We have, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives and abides and dwells in you. Then notice the rest of it. Once that Spirit's in there, listen to what he does. Okay? We have the Spirit of God that we might understand the things of God. So we have the Spirit of God for the purpose of illuminating our minds and giving us understanding the right perspective of God. Now, this is kind of deep, but grab a hold of this, all right? You and I have the Spirit. Once you get saved, 
Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 9 tells us that if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His, okay? So when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside. He begins to reveal to you and open up the proper perspectiveness of Christ, the, the perspective, the, un, the understanding, the mind of Christ. He does. Now, Paul's talking to the, the church at Corinth. They had the Spirit of God. Now, follow me. They have the Spirit of God living within them. But something they struggled with was allowing the Holy Spirit to give them that illumination. Even though the Spirit of God's there, listen very carefully, even though you're saved, you can, as we're going to see, you can hinder the Holy Spirit from illuminating and giving you understanding of the things of God. You can. Now, God forbid that we do that. But I'm just simply saying it's possible because listen to chapter 3, verses 1. Now, still in the context, what do we say around here? Context, context. Listen to what it says, verse 1. But I, brother could not address you as spiritual people. He already said they had the mind of Christ, but he couldn't address them as spiritual. But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Okay, that's right there. He's talking to the same people. So the people had the mind of Christ, but he couldn't even give them meat. And that's what he goes on to say. He said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Now listen to what he says, and even now, you are not yet ready. Okay. So something's going on. Something's happening here. They have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit, we know, wants to work, right? We know He wants to transform us. Look at verse 3. For you are still in the flesh. For while there is what? Jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So the Holy Spirit, God, of course, through the Holy Spirit, He wants to work in us to transform us. But jealousy and envy and strife can hinder the work of the Spirit. Now, you may take this as as negative this morning, but it's not. It's that next step in your spiritual growth. That's what it is. It's positive. It's that next step, right, in your spiritual growth. Because you need to understand the world thinks jealousy is fine. The world thinks envy is fine. They think all of these things are fine in their life, but it hinders the spirit of the living God from developing everything he wants. The world can say strife. And what is strife? Arguing fussing in your mind judging and and thinking bad i mean just strife that's why i don't like debating debating is not of the lord ephesians chapter 4 talks about that it's not bickering back and forth and debating back and forth i don't even like it in high school but my daughter did it she was great at it go to all these debates and talk about the things of the lord this is great stuff. In, in other words, understand that the things of the world, all of this stuff the world says is okay, isn't. It'd be different. We, we cannot afford, we're two years old, 
We cannot afford to let sin hinder the Holy Spirit from developing us to the full maturity. We can't hinder that process. Nor can we hinder, listen very carefully, nor can we hinder what God wants to do through us. And yet it's possible that that could happen. Okay? We want to get on board with God. We want to get on board with God so that we can grow into what God wants us to be and that we can develop to the person that God wants us to be. All right? So, so just a few things here. Four thoughts. Look at your notes there. Turn, turn your notes over. How can we have the, the, the perspective of Christ? How can we have the mind of Christ? All right? How can we let the Holy Spirit do the work that he wants to do and partner with God so that he can use us in the capacity that he wants to use us? Because listen, you may look at yourself as nobody, but in the eyes of God, he's called you to partner. You are somebody. You're so valuable to him that he sent his son to die for you. Can I hear an amen? You specifically. Sean, you. Raise your hand, Sean. Okay? Just got saved, what, less than a year ago. All right? God sent his son for Sean. And we could just call out others' names. But just got saved. Okay? God sent his son for you. That's how valuable you are to him. He loves you. John chapter uh, 17 says he loves you as much as he loves his only begotten son think about that he loves me just as much as he loves his son whose his son obeyed him and gave his life he loves me just as much it says right there in scripture okay so let me give you four thoughts real quick because we want to we want to move on here i don't want to spend too long on this okay so we acquire knowledge of the mind of christ through that's what it says reading of scripture we know that. I've talked about that enough. Okay, As you get into the Word of God, and not, I'm not talking about reading through the Bible in a year. That's, that's good for you to put a mark. I did it. But I'm talking about getting into the Word and taking a verse or two and digesting it, breaking it down, understand what God is saying specifically to you. Okay, Take a chapter a week. Digest. And as the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, as you look into the Word of God and you digest it and you ponder, you ponder, listen, you ponder the words that Jesus spoke, you ponder the deeds that he did, you ponder why he did them, you ponder his, his responses to what people said, you get to know the Lord and it transforms us. It's fantastic. It transforms us. Now, okay. Reading scripture. Number two, we acquire the knowledge of the mind of Christ through faith and prayer. Now, the Bible told us in Corinthians chapter 2 that we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. How many believe that you have, according to the Bible, you have the mind of Christ? How many believe that? Raise your hand. Okay? How many believe that? How many don't believe it? Come on. This side over here, how many of you guys believe that you have the mind of Christ? A few of you. How many don't? Okay, don't have the mind of Christ. Okay, so the Bible says, let's go back. You have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Okay, now think about that. 
In order to have the mind of Christ, we have to believe that scripture. And then we have to pray, God, I'm pleading with you. I pray your Holy Spirit would give me understanding. See, the word of God is the sword of the spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 6. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. And as we pray, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to this. Give me understanding. Give me revelation. When you begin to do that, the Holy Spirit begins to answer our prayer. Because the Bible specifically tells us in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 that what's it where we pray in his will? He does what? He hears us. And so what's where we pray and ask? He gives us those things. If we pray in his will, is it his will that we understand this book? Of course. So you've got to have faith and you've got to pray. Number three, you've got to hurry along. We acquire the knowledge of the mind of Christ when we do his will. Let me, let me real quickly unwrap this. And it's proven all through scripture. When God reveals his will to you, listen very carefully, when he reveals his will to you, and you obey it, you step into a deeper relationship with God. A deeper understanding. And then he begins to reveal more to you. And he begins to reveal more. And he begins, as long as you're obedient to his word, and you begin to, like, like for example, he wants you to read the Bible. The more you read, the more you're going to understand, the more God's going to bless you, and so on and so forth. If you, but if you say, no, I'm not going to read the scripture i'm not going to do what you want me to do your relationship with him is stifled it's stopped now how many want you want to grow in the lord how many want to grow in the lord okay i should be tired i'm okay i had two energy drinks this morning okay i'm doing great kyle how you doing man you got you got the energy okay so so how many here this morning okay specifically you're okay you're awake you're alert Hang, just raise your hand. How many are not? You're dozing off. Two heathens here this morning. All right. When, when we say yes to the Lord in whatever, he takes us. We all want that deeper relationship. We want to, we want God when we're laying in bed, we just wake up. We want God to speak to us. We want God to speak to us on a regular basis so we can guide our family into truth. Right? I can't afford, and I tell myself every time I am stupid and I blow it. Every time. I can't afford to stay living in sin. I can't. The Bible says if I ponder sin in my heart, God will not hear me. If I hang on to sin in my heart, he does not hear me. I need God to hear me. How many need God to hear you? How many need God to speak to you on a regular basis? Please lead me, guide me, direct. I need you. All of us, amen. We can't afford to continue in that direction. So we need to obey the revealed will of God, whatever he wants us to do. Those of you that are striving, I mean, you may not be there yet. Those of you that are struggling with tithing, the same thing. If you're struggling, that your relationship is going to go no higher than if he's brought you to that point and he says, okay, you better tithe. Now, some of you, he hadn't brushed it there. I understand that. You should tithe. And you're fighting it. I fought for two years. I understand. Okay. The Lord wanted me to tithe. What? Back in those days, that was a long time ago, it was a car payment. I told my wife, I said, honey, I could buy a new car. Guess what I did? I bought a new car. I'm 19 years old. Stupid, right? 
These guys are awful quiet. What is wrong with you today? Of course it was stupid. All right. <laughs> so I, not, not the, I had this 1972 yellow Nova. Her shifter, headers, you know, the big tires. I had all of that. And I went in and traded it in on a station wagon. Brand new station wagon. Because I had two kids and my wife was going to have another. Actually, no, we had one kid and she was going to have another. Okay? I wasn't listening, pondering the Lord. I was fighting over tithing. And when I didn't have this mind, I had to sell that car. I had to sell the home. I had to sell everything because at that time, God was working with me to go to school. Do you get that? You, you see where I was at? Okay? Re- obey the re- what he's working on your heart at. You need to obey. And, and number four, of course, this is surrender. Okay? We need to surrender. Paul says something in Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. He says, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And he, he, in other words, he says this. I beg you, Tim, by the goodness of the Lord, to surrender your life to him. It's your reasonable service. Surrender. And verse 2 says this, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I know I'm, I'm giving you a, a, a whole, I, I'm backing up the truck this morning and just dumping it. All right? You're getting a, a, a full load. But you need to write these down so you can go and study them later, okay? When you surrender, he reveals to you his good and perfect will of God. But it's surrender. It just simply says, Lord, here am I. I am going to join you in focusing, devoting myself to those things that you've called me to do, okay? Now, we're almost done. Look at your notes. Let's kind of finish this up, okay? Now, God wants us to measure up, okay? He wants us to join him and partner with him. He wants you to let him work in you and through you. And we find this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 12, and 13. Follow me now. Now, these are the gifts of Christ. Now, Christ Christ has given us some gifts, all right? Now, these are the gifts Christ has given to the church. We're the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, oh, and the pastor and teacher. <laughs> I'm your gift. How many like their gift? Uh, 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 the, I didn't say that. Let's go back to that verse. Do you, do you see that? I'm your gift. That's my son back there. I say, no, I want to keep on going. All right? All right, so he's giving us some gifts. All right? Notice the next verse. Why is he giving us these gifts? Verse 12. Okay. Their responsibility, that's me and others to equip God's people to do the what? His work and to build up his church, the body of Christ. So it's my responsibility to, to give you this stuff this morning. Because this is really our only, as a new church, we don't have all these opportunities to teach you these things. This is it, unless you come to small group. What's your small group? Can I, can I give a plug? Can I give a plug? It's fantastic. I'm going through that small group and watching this guy. He's, he's been to several seminaries and it's like, whoa, this is great stuff. I just, I was just, okay. All right. So our responsibility is build you up. Next verse. This will continue until all, who's all? The church come to such unity of the faith. Okay. That's where we all get to the place where we're understanding the word of God. The faith means not faith in God, but it's doctrine. It's truth and knowledge of the Son of God, that we may be mature in the Lord. Notice this word, measuring what? Up. 
measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. In other words, that we become those little Jesuses. Okay? That we will become, we'll tra- be transformed into the image of Christ. Now, how does he do that? Well, we talked about several ways. Okay? He's working in us and through us. But one of the greatest things he does to get us to measure up, listen very carefully, is this right here. Troubles. Difficulties. The things that we hate the most. I mean, how many, how many get frustrated when there's a hindrance in your life and there's this trouble? I mean, Richard, how many of you get, get frustrated? I get frustrated. Last night, uh, you know, Saturday night, my wife is gone, who does all this work, right? I'm running the computer and printing all this stuff out. And all of a sudden, it's not working. The computer and the printer are not communicating to each other. So I'm helping them. Didn't work, okay? Had shut it all down, finally came out. But the whole time I'm thinking, okay, honey, it wasn't God's will that you go to Indiana. You're out of God's will. <laughs> I, I didn't call her and tell her that, so don't you, don't you tell her I said that, all right? We all have difficulties. But the reason for difficulties, and I really want you to, if you don't get anything else, the well, number one thought, and we'll give you in just a moment. But the reason for difficulties is found in James chapter 1. And, and most of us that have been around for a while know these verses. Let's go to James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brother, when you meet trials of various kinds. Next verse. Okay, the trials, count it joy. Why? You know that the testing, the trials of your faith produces steadfastness. It produces strength. Notice the next verse. And let steadfastness, now notice the word let. That's important. You can either let this trouble work or you can hinder it. Okay? You can either go, which all of us do. (laughs) Okay. Am I the only one that, that does that? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. You guys are liars too. In the house of God. All right, so, so let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, and that just means mature, and complete, lacking nothing. Okay, look on your notes. I put it there so that you wouldn't have anything to fill out. I want you to get it. The very bottom, put this up there. When something is happening to me, understand God is at work. Something's happening to you, according to the Bible, God is at work. So when people call me and they say, oh, we're having this kind of trouble, I'm on the phone and I'm, I'm having sympathy, but on the other end I'm saying, yeah. I'm just so excited because I know God is working in their lives. I'm serious. I get excited. Oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I'm lying. Yes. No. You got to have sympathy because the Bible says we have to have sympathy with those that are, uh, are hurting and we're supposed to laugh with those. I mean, the Bible tells us to do that. But on the other side, I'm just, praise Jesus. Oh, yeah. So understand this. Okay. Understand this. This is a powerful truth. When something is happening to me, God is at work. 
not just by accident. Remember, he's always working. Anything that happens to you in your life, it's fingered through, filtered through the fingers of God. He's working in your life. Let's pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. This morning, no one's looking around but me. And I, we're not going to have an invitation, so-called, but I just want to pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning. And you're, something's going on. You're having some difficulties. You're having some troubles. You're having some trials. And you're almost to the point of resisting. But you really want to grab this truth that God is at work in me. God is doing something. If if, if you want me to pray for you, that you'll get to that point where you can rejoice and, and, and accept this wonderful, powerful truth that God is at work in me, can I pray for you? Would you let me? You're going through troubles and trials. Yes, thank you for that hand. Yes, thank you. You're going, yes, thank you. You're going through some trials and troubles and, 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 and you're just struggling with dealing with them. Just lift up your hand and, and say, Brother Tim, pray for me. Yes, thank you for the hand, for that one, for that one, for that one, for that one. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. You may put it down. Yes, thank you. You may put it down. Anybody else real quickly? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to pray for you guys. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, we come to you this morning. We just thank you for your word. Thank you for meeting with us today. You told us where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you're, you're there in the midst. Father, we, we've come together, and we know you're present. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And Father, thank you for speaking to so many hearts today. And Father, as we are here this morning in church and we're sitting in our seats and we're going through trials and struggles, Father, I pray that you would help each one of these that raise their hand to accept the truth. Number one, that you're at work in them. You're wanting to develop them. You are at work to build character, to make them this little Jesus. And Father, once more, I pray they'd accept that. But Father, secondly, I pray that they would also not be a hindrance to what you were doing, that they would let that trouble bring them to maturity that they wouldn't hinder it, where they have to go through all troubles again, over and over and over. Some, Father, just consistently go through these struggles over and over and over and never get to maturity. Even though God is working in us to produce Christ in us, people struggle. So, Father, I pray for every hand that raised that they would not resist you. Help them to surrender today, right where they're at. Father, as we have this next song, may they be in their seats Or may they stand there worshiping you and accept what you're doing and they be helpful and surrender to your process of what you're doing in them, what you're striving to do in them, and what you're striving to do through them. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, let's stand.